So, Brett, I just wanted to share something with all the listeners. Oh, no, don't. Oh, actually, they can't see it anyway. So no, they can't. <laughs> yeah, oh, thanks, Brett. But, you, you know, all, all your years in the, in the rock and music industry in Australia, um, you've come across some very interesting characters, yeah? Sure have, George. Lots. Lots. And, you know, you even, even one of your band members, uh, Peter Travis, who we interviewed recently, yep. uh, he's the walking encyclopedia on the history of... All things, things music. Music, 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 fashion, music, art, music, pop. Right, right. So what I wanted to tell tell our listeners is that uh, we we're we're about ready to launch a sideline float your boat podcast, which is float your boat rocks, so rocks, 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 rocks. <laughs> so what's what's going to be about? Well, it, it, it's going to be about the behind the scenes of music, not just interviews with with band members or singers or famous people. Because mm, they've been done to death. Yeah, we, we want to get right, right behind the scenes to the roots of music, fashion, art, you know, subcultures, anything to do with music. I think that's, uh, that's quite exciting, certainly for, for someone who listens to a lot of music, um, knowing the history and the background and, and all the things that went with it uh, would be very exciting. So if you love Float Your Boat, you're going to love Float Your Boat. Rocks. Rocks, rocks, Welcome to the Float Your Boat podcast about how everyday people created their road to success. The highs, the lows, pitfalls and potholes and how they overcame it all. And now, here are your hosts. Hey George. Yes Brett. We've got a very interesting um, interview this morning. Yeah we do. Um, Fascinated by... Joanna Ferrari. Mm. Joanna I, uh, Ferrari's done a lot in her life. I I watched the TEDx talk that, oh, yeah. that what'd she think, did. What do you think of that? I thought she was funny. Mm. Um, she does have a sense of humour, so she's perfect for float your boat. Exactly. And if you remember, we started this podcast as a business podcast, yep. but we've morphed into something greater. Because we are. But... Joanna is a leader or has been a leader in business for many years. Yeah, we like that about people, people that lead in their field, um, whatever it might be, whatever boat they're on. Um, yeah, Joanna's had an amazing career so far. Like she, you know, she's been, she's been CEO, interim CEO of several corporations. She's travelled the world. She's trained sales teams in five countries. She's published a book. She's trained over 10,000 long-term unemployed individuals to find work in 12 weeks or less. And, you know, will she's... She be a, able to, will she be able to train Malcolm Turnbull in a couple of <laughs> I think that's more of a long-term... Unemployment uh, issue? Yes. <laughs> Sorry. But, uh, but she's had a lot of experience over the last 10 years as a personal development and executive coach. So... An amazing um, uh, track record, uh, mm. which you'll explain more of when we get her on board. But one of the most interesting things about, oh, yes, she also, as you said, she also uh, did a TEDx talk. Standing and, ovation mm, at TEDx. Mm, received a standing ovation for one of the most amazing features <laughs> about her, I think. Um, people, you know, they wouldn't know this at first glance or when they meet her, but... Um, the most remarkable thing about Joanna Ferrari is that she's living a life of a female when she was born a male. Really? That's right. That's right. So she had to overcome the shackles of, you know, her former self and um, and also... Ta-da. Oh, there we go. And here she is. And here she is. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, she snuck in. She snuck in. Oh, well, thank you. Good to see you. <laughs> sit, yeah, sit down, Joanna. Sit oh, down. Thank you, thank you. George, wait until I say rolling. Rolling. 
<laughs> Welcome to the studio, Joanna. You've Hi, just Joanna. just ruined my punchline by barging in, but hey. Yay! Well, that's good. The, hold on, hold on. <laughs> I Let's didn't wait. Have one. I really punchline? didn't have one. Come on. I didn't have one. Oh. I didn't have a punchline. I didn't have one. Oh, well. So, well, Joanna. Great to see Brett, you. You know, straight man isn't supposed to have a punchline. No, so. no, no. You, you're going to have to tone down your humour, okay? I mean, how long have you been in Australia now, Joanna? Uh, 11 years. 11 years. Come June, yeah. So you've adapted to our sense of humour over here. It's very un-American. I'm still looking for it, but... Um... <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. Joanna, where should we begin? Um... I mean, you're 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 quite seasoned in in presentations and speeches and and you know standing up in front of yeah. huge audiences, and you're very comfortable in your your current skin. I'm very comfortable in my yeah. skin, and I'm very comfortable on stage. It's like it's like going home, you know. It was very very um, uh, observable uh, on the during when I when I watched the, your TEDx, TEDx talk that you were so comfortable. You want to hear the behind the scenes of the first three minutes? Yeah, tell us. Okay, so it's like seven and a half minutes before I'm supposed to go on stage, and I've been watching all of these incredible incredible people get up and present all day. Mm-hmm. So they put me on as the very last presenter. So they're putting my mic on, and I'm going in my head, oh, I better go through my presentation. Oh, my God, somebody's erased my hard drive. I can't remember a lick of it, right? So they get done putting my microphone on. I'm like, I got to go to the green room. They're like, no, 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 no. And I'm like, yes, 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 yes. So I go dashing for the green room. I open up my notes. It was like looking at blank paper. Mm-hmm. So what what you don't see in the video is... I'm downstairs and I'm walking up to the stage and up the stairs and I'm still crying because I can't remember anything about my presentation. And you're right, I've done so many presentations, but this was my first big presentation after my transition. And so I'm standing up there and as I'm heading for the red dot, I just said, the hell with it. I'm just going to be me and I'll find it somewhere along the way. And so I got up in the red dot and I just went, Blah, and um, I actually blew my um, my TEDx contract in like the first couple of seconds because I swore, you know, asking the audience, you know, who's got a secret that you've never told anyone? And honest to God, tw- there's 1,800 people in the audience. Twelve hands went up. I swear I could count them. That's why I said, "Oh bullshit." bullshit. Yeah, right. <laughs> so my question would be: When you were young, yeah, were you a performer? Oh, I, let's put it this way. I was four days into kindergarten and literally the teacher dragged me down the hall to the principal's office and I had to call my mom. So from kindergarten all the way through school, I was a great performer. <laughs> I was got in trouble for, for talking. So... Hard uh, to believe. Yeah, right? <laughs> I just, no, no, I can really relate. I got into trouble for talking a lot, too. I, I, I was <laughs> I know that's say, surprising. I bet, I bet we have some similarities there, my friend. Uh, th- that's, I'm shocked, George, really. <laughs> but so, so, tell us about your childhood, I guess, would be, you know, without, we, let's not go well, for, for an hour on childhood. It's, but, it's but, obvious that she, she's not from Australia. That's obvious. <laughs> I'm actually from Chicago. Yeah. And I the came over city. here, the Windy City, but it's not called the Windy City because it's always windy. Um, that was an old term used for politics to describe, you know, oh, the really? hot air that comes out of politicians. <laughs> oh, is know? that right? I thought it might yeah, have been everybody that, ate a lot of beans or something. That too, that too. <laughs> but, you know, um, you know, they would call Trump the hurricane then, I guess, instead of just right, the Windy City. Right. So. But, uh, yeah, I grew up in Chicago and um, I'd come over here to Australia a couple of times for presentations and um, fell in love with it. What were you doing? Uh, what line of work were you in when you happened to come to Australia? Like, what um, were you I was already doing it. I was a motivational speaker. I'd been an international speaker for, oh, about eight and a half years at that point and was traveling all over the place, training sales teams. You know, I was an interim CEO for three different businesses. Um, I came over here to be the CEO for um, Anthony Robbins Australia. Um, but that's all I was doing was traveling around the world with some of the some of the best speakers in the world. Wow. That's pretty amazing. So you, yeah. you rub shoulders with the man. I did. And uh, is he as great off, offline as he is on, online? He is a... Um, Tony's... He's very direct. 
Um, and he's always learning, and his brain is just always going in a million directions. Mm. Um, but he's got a phenomenal team around him as well that mm. really helps to pull it all together. And that's what really makes somebody um, great. a great, great leader. Yeah. yeah, you know, knowing how to bring how to, the, the best of the best around him. So it's always a challenge to pick those people to start with. You, mm. you have to have a gift to be able to pick the right people to have the right team that all play yeah. on the team together well i think he would tell you himself you know he um, he's picked a few wrong ones but he's picked some incredible ones at mm. the same time mm. and uh, one and of which is was you so when you were wi with um anthony robbins i take it that was the time that you made a decision major decision to i mean you had your wife you had your kids here right yeah you were for all intents and purposes, to everyone else, a male. I was an alpha male. In fact, yeah. I was an alpha actually, alpha male. <laughs> actually, yes, I do recall you saying uh, because we met at a at a powerful women's um, presentation, right. and 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 uh, you mentioned that you were a hundred. No, it was the TEDx talk. You mentioned you were one hundred and twenty kilo bodybuilder i was i was massive. You know, at wow, one that's point. huge. But the, see, there's there's things that you do. When you know something's true about yourself, you know, um, I'll, I'll put it to you this way. In my youth, um, for the majority of my life, I was living um, what I call on my TEDx, um, a learned life. It's a learned mindset. You know, we're taught this is the rules. These are the laws. This is right. This is wrong. This is good. This is bad. You know, and we're kind of scared into a direction. Mm. Um, and all of a sudden we've got this box that we have to live in. And because our parents have told us a lot of these things, you know, those become ways that we have to live in our mind because they have expectations of us and we want to be respectful of that. And so we kind of get stuck in this, I have to mode, no matter what it is. And it's not just about gender. I know plenty of people who've actually gone into careers or gotten married to somebody or just, you know, kept living in a belief um, mm. because their parents had given it to them and their parents would have been offended or the family would have been offended. So that's called a learned lifestyle, right? Mm. Um, and a lot of people do that. So I was doing that. Um, and it, for most of my life, I did hyper male things. Hyper male is actually a, the psychological term that they use when you go way beyond proving, you know, that you're male. So, um, here, let me blow your mind a little bit. So I was this gigantic bodybuilder, started in like, you know, 18 years old, really just ripping through the weights. Um, you know, it's like a state powerlifting champion and I mean, just all kinds of things. But then at, at 20 years old, um, I got approached and I became a Chippendale dancer, which is a male stripper. Oh, really? And I did that for Fantastic. nine years, right? So talk about hyper male. You don't get wow. any more hyper male than that. You yeah. know what I mean? And it was just a way of keeping a social or a public persona and then being able to not let anybody see my secret self, which was all about me knowing that I was female. And this is the thing, you know, there's, there's this, this transgender story, you know, from a very, very young age. I mean, I knew my name was Joanna. I loved dress up. I loved, I had more Barbies than my sisters, you know, and my sisters used to teasingly call me Joe or Joanne when I was very young, right? Because I loved dress up. Um, and then, you know, every year from eight to 16 at Halloween, um, I was dressed as a woman, you know, hmm. a girl, I should say. Um, the way the term that I use now though is female, so right. yeah, I did that every single year. So my mom and one of my neighbors helped me to do that. Now you told me you told me when we first met that your mother was of Scottish origin, yes, and your dad was a Syrian, a Syrian, yeah. yeah. So how did he handle that? I mean, did he see anything? I mean, I kind of feel that um, people from the Middle East or uh, from yeah. my my background, Greek. Mm -hmm. Italian, they're very strict. The, yeah. That generation, very, um, you talk about stories that are predetermined about how yeah. my son or, or daughter are going to grow up. Sure. I mean, it's very That's strong it. in those cultures. Oh, yeah. yeah. Did he see anything? Oh, my dad, um, 
Yeah, very much so. So, you know, as I was moving into my into my dancing days, uh, my dad would always ask me if, if I was gay, you know, and, you know, then some blonde would pull up in a 380ZX and hand me a tuxedo and say, I'll pick you up at seven, you know, and I'm like, yeah, real gay. <laughs> so when he saw that, he, he calmed down, did he? He like didn't. It? He always knew. My dad um, and my mom were both pretty intuitive. My mom knew it. When I came out to my parents, my mom said, I've always known. And I'm like, it sure would have been nice to have told me, you know, but uh, nobody can tell you those type of things. But my mom knew, um, uh, being that I was the only boy and the oldest, um, I broke my parents' heart, you know going into my transition and they uh they disowned me so when i did uh, come out and now a word from our sponsors this is about the 400th take listeners <laughs> this is our uh, this is our um for a male sponsor mongrel joe's yes mongrel joe's so hey brett what keeps you going i'm not sure what you're implying I don't like where your mind's going with this one, Brett, but uh, without getting personal, there are many times I need a hit, and not from a bus. What keeps me going is a steaming hot cup of coffee, and not just any coffee. Ah, you must be talking about Mungrel Joe's. Yeah, our proud sponsor. Yes, that deep, rich, tasty and fulfilling coffee that perks you up, puts lead in your pencil, makes you glisten, and puts hairs on your chest. But what does it do for men? Boom, boom. It brings out the mongrel in you. <laughs> God, seriously, folks. Seriously, folks. Mongrel Joe's. That's my line. No, That's your line. <laughs> mongrel Joe's is the best taste experience ever. It's 100% Australian. And not only is it a performance coffee, it's strong and smooth. Like me, of course, George. It's the greatest coffee on earth. The world's greatest coffee. Is it really? <laughs> yes, it is. Jump online at mongreljoes.com.au and give it a shot. Excuse the pun. No, no, no. You didn't have to say that. Well, it's you printed it on the page. You're George. on. You're on fire, Brent. I am on. We fire. could have scratched that out. And just for our listeners to put, put it, put in a discount code. Float your boat, and you will get a special discount on your first order. Remember that it's float your boat. One word. If you love coffee, you should try Mungle Joe's. I'm telling you, folks, aside from this great script that George wrote. <laughs> and it was so obvious you were reading it. <laughs> yes, George, it was. <laughs> anyway, listeners, Mungle Joe's, it's, it's the best. But do you think that that was a, more a, a sign of the times back then? Do you think it's easier now? Uh, no, you have to realize that I've actually only been in transition for four years. Oh, so, okay, right. you know, I've lived, I lived till I was, um, and I mean, just date myself and I don't really mind. Until yep. um, I was 53 years old, I lived uh, male. Um, and then I, because I always knew, I just decided to, uh, to go ahead and, and do it was, you know, something for me. My, uh, my ex and I, uh, had raised our kids and um, they were starting to go their separate ways, you know, and she and I, she's still a great friend, um, you know, but we were married for 23 years and it was time for me to do something for myself. So, yeah, it's only been four years right. now that I've actually been in transition. So that's what made the transition even, even bigger, you know, is that you... This is what used to happen. People in their 30s, 40s, 50s coming out as transgender and transitioning. Um, now, um, you've got them coming out so young. I'm going to do a presentation next week, and there'll be an 8-year-old girl, mm. uh, you know, 8-year-old transgender girl. Was there, a, was there one moment that you dis just decided, now's the time? It's a great question. Um, a lot of people will say you don't decide because you've always known, right? But there are these moments that you have throughout your life that actually let you know very, very clearly. I mean, every Halloween, 
Um, you, well, I sent you one of the pictures, mm. and if you look at that picture, if you look at my face, you'll see exactly how comfortable I was. Mm. When I was 16 and my dad was like, you know, it's time to shave. You know, it's the, uh, the male ritual, right, for going into puberty. And I did not want to. Mm. It was just not the direction I wanted to go. And then um, when I was dancing towards the end of my career, I ended up meeting a uh, transgender woman who was, um, who was doing the female impersonator shows. And when she told me how she went from a 300-pound captain of a fishing boat to this, you know, Miss International Continental winner, um, and I heard her story, I knew that was me. Right. You know? And then um, when I finally made my decision to transition, I was invited to, a, to go to a party. And the person who invited me only knew me as Joe. So... Um, I had to go buy clothes and, and wigs and everything else again to go to the party because I hadn't dressed in over a year. You know, it was so sporadic, you know, before that. And um, so I went to the party and the love that I felt and the feelings that I felt from inside, you know, it just, that little voice in my head said, it's time. Mm. And so that was on a Saturday, that Monday... Um, I went to my GP and said, I need a referral to a psychologist and to an endocrinologist. And by June uh, 12th of that year, 2013, um, I started my hormones. Wow. And and I guess, uh, uh, you know, I, I always imagine that anyone considering transitioning would be so loaded up with angst and, you know, fear. Mm just that that it would almost be debilitating but for you yeah. it seemed like you kept powering along in your professional career or mm. was there a oh boy no or was there a hiatus <laughs> was there a, a time it, where you had to just... it was kind of a forced hiatus but here's the thing you're right you are loaded with a tremendous amount of fear but it's because we're so worried about what the world is going to say mm. right because inside your heart is jumping up and down and so excited yeah, right. but you're so worried about what's going to happen I mean I I didn't tell my family that I started on hormones until February of 2014, you know, because I needed to find out what was going to happen. But the thing is, I did something probably a little bit different. I didn't get into this to be transgender and I didn't get into it to be a woman. I actually started out just wanting to know who the hell I was, you know, so I was looking for me. I wasn't just looking to become female. And when you go looking to become something, like if you get in and start calling yourself transgender, it's not uncommon for people to get stuck there, mm. you know, and I didn't want to do that. So I still don't call myself transgender. When, well, you, well, when you were going through, through the process, yeah. did you have a mentor or somebody that you could confide in? Or Yeah, you, actually good question. That's what you do now. I do. So, I do a lot of mentoring or, now. Or did you fly solo? Yeah. No, you know, and this is the thing. Um, well, let me answer one question because you asked me, was there a hiatus in, did I, or just did I keep my career going? Yeah. It was a forced hiatus. When I went into this, you know, um, my world fell apart. It just started exploding all over the place. So I lost family support, right? Um, so my oldest kids, you know, were like, oh, my God. My ex-wife was freaked out, which is really understandable. I mean, we, you know, we had an intimate relationship for 23 years, mm. although she knew from way back that I told her about cross-dressing, which is very different from transgender. It's just a, it's a way of handling the conflict that you feel, right? right? Mm. Um, but I owned businesses at the time. They exploded. My business partner was like, I can't do this with you. And so I went on my way. I actually had uh, one of my clients say to me, you know, I can't have a drag queen for a consultant. And so I got to the point where um, at the end of the first year and at the end of my second year, I had, you know, 79 and then 84 cents in the bank. You know, you really go through a huge amount of struggle because you're trying to figure out who you are, right? And you're thinking that you're transitioning your gender. But here's the thing that people don't remember. You have to transition all of you, okay? Mind, body, spirit, energy, family, you know, career. Everything has to come with you. Try pulling all of those things across 
you know, and, and mm-hmm. keeping all those plates spinning, right? And they just come crashing down. Right. Yeah. So that was a tough, tough period. Um, but I was very, very lucky in that the two years prior to m- making my decision, I had met two incredible um, transgender women. Uh, one is Savannah Sydney, and the other one was Sarah Bowman. And I talked to them, and they had been, you know, in it for, you know, in their transitions for a number of years, eight to ten years. So they guided me, and they talked to me, and they told me, you know, what hormones were about and different things like that. And they really helped me along and through a lot of the, you know, to miss a lot of the mischief that you can mm. get in, you know, get up to when you first get into because it. Because I assume that there, there would be a, a degree of loneliness in that space in that period of time because you're yeah. doing this for yourself, You're but doing it on by your own. yourself. Yeah, yeah. You, you are on your own, but the, it's, you really believe it or not, you know, the, it depends on how you go about doing it. I mean, I know transgender girls who had been on hormones for three, four years and never been out in public. Right. And so they went through a very lonely, very quiet transition. As you can tell, I'm a very lonely, quiet person. <laughs> yeah, well, yes, well, yes, well. Yeah. So, look, I guess, did you feel abandoned? No. Here's why. You know, when you're going through something this massive, I don't care what the transition is in your life. When you're going through a major transition, you have to really think about what you want. I wanted love. I wanted acceptance. I wanted people to be able to trust me because, you know, a lot of people can't trust somebody going through that type of a a huge transition. You know, they don't think that they know themselves and they don't understand it, so they don't give them the room to explain. So when you're going through um, a huge change like that in your life, what you have to realize is give to the world what you want yourself. Mm. So even to my kids and my ex-wife, I had to say, you know, I love you. And I accept that, you know, you can't have me in your life right now. Even to my parents, I still, I send a message saying, you know, I love you. And this is what I've been up to. Have they ever watched them or heard them? I don't know, but it doesn't make any difference. There's a sign on my wall, right? It's a picture frame that says family. And inside, I've, with post-it notes, I put in there, whether you're with me or you're not with me, I love you. And that's how you have to, how I got through it. I don't know how other people get through it because a lot of people will say that they've gone through dysphoria, right? Because they've had this separation and angst, as you mentioned, about their life. I call this gender euphoria Mm. because this is the best me I've ever been. And, you know, living my female life has been an incredibly hard but so rewarding i can tell you that for sure i guess you've been lucky or you were lucky that you were working with tony robbins to some degree so you're on a spiritual journey (laughs) anyway well you know when i actually did because i'd been involved in personal development and teaching it for so long that one of the things was i abandoned personal development going through this because if somebody would come up to me and said you need to have a great goal you need to take care of your attitude you need to take action i'd have kicked their ass right. yeah right <laughs> you know what i mean yeah, right. so if, you didn't feel it yeah, exactly. <laughs> i'm feeling the love right now Come on. exactly and that's exactly what happens it really is much more of a spiritual journey and that's why you've got so many ways that different people what they call themselves. So I don't call myself uh, a woman, mm. right? Because I, I can't erase that I was a man, but, and here's one of those big controversial dun-dun-dun-dun, right? I don't believe that a man can become a woman, right? There's so much that you go through that I'm not, I'm not convinced of that. But you take the idea of male and female, mm. right? And now what we're talking truly is your energy, your psyche. We're talking about how the mind really sees you, how you really see the world. Mm. And that's the only difference. You know, whether I have a, a penis or a vagina, um, if that is really the determinant, well, then, you know, we've got a very, very shallow society. Mm. But let's take into consideration what really transitions. You know what I mean? Your spirit, your energy, your psyche comes to life because you're like, oh, my gosh, you get new colors on your palette. You see the world very differently, you know. And when I meet people now, um, 
I'll give you an example. I was in a meeting just last week and I'm sitting there talking to the person. They called me up afterwards and said, can I ask you a question? And I'm like, sure, of course. Like, are you transgender? I'm like, yes. You didn't, you didn't know? I'm like, no. They're like, wow, I can't even picture you as male. Um, and that's, that's really why I love the fact that I stopped thinking about going from being a man to a woman. And I really started emphasizing, working on my energy and my psyche and really putting it out there that this is a spiritual transition. This is from the heart. This isn't, you know, just changing your body and growing boobs. Mm. Which raises a... A question, okay, um, Caitlin Jenner. Yeah, it's very, very difficult. I mean, I, I have a touch of the cynic in me when, when I see uh, the the marketing hype surrounding Caitlin Jenner. Mm -hmm. Obviously, a personal journey. Everyone has their own journey in life. Yes, but um, but milking it uh, to that degree, it kind of kind of makes me feel like is there a. a um, was it a genuine um, transition based on that's what the person truly wanted or was um, it a marketing spin or was it... Uh, George, was it a, I can tell you, you know? so clearly, so plainly, that it was definitely genuine. There's not a man in the world who, if I say, so um, I'm going to take a scalpel and I'm going to put it to your groin area that doesn't just cringe. So this is the thing. You have right. to realize that that's part of the psyche. Yes. Right? That's not a mental illness. Mm. That's going, I know that this is the right thing to do for me, for my body. Now, has she done a lot of commercialization yes yeah. absolutely but she's a she's a perfect example of uh, the, the hyper male um yeah you know absolutely. as a male you couldn't get more hyper than what the decathlete like a absolutely champion well, the best still to champion. this day I, I think you have to separate the the commercialism from the person yeah you have to because the, their their whole world is about commercialism and marketing. Unless the person me, so actually it's... jumps in and starts using it as well, then there's a difference, you mm. know. But there's, um, there's, you know, when people think about transgender, okay, um, what they don't realize is that they're just real people. The majority of them are not gorgeous. The majority of them are not, you know, trans glamour. They're not going to mm. be these models. But those are the ones that get... The attention. So what we do is, again, as human beings do, we go, well, let's compartmentalize this, right? Let's compare and contrast. That's the human psyche, right? And says, well, if they're not gorgeous, then what? What is this trans thing? Mm. You know. So yeah. it's funny how people, you know, we we take this female persona, you know, of how they sell in magazines and everything, and that's how we think about how a trans woman should be. But we don't think about trans men. When we think about trans, we think about trans women. We don't think about trans men. Mm. And there are plenty of them. And they're amazing. They're absolutely amazing because they have to endure something a lot worse. They have to input testosterone, right? Mm, Here is... we are trying to get rid of that poison, and they're actually pulling it in. The question I was going to ask, I mean, you've, you've okay, you at rock bottom back then. Yeah. And back then to now was only, what, two, three years? Really? Yeah. Really? Yeah. But... You're now at a level. I mean, I, I've met you. I only met you a couple of weeks ago, and mm. and I see you at a level that others were admire, like other powerful people in the room were mm. looking up to you and admiring you, and and speaking of you as their mentor and champion. Yeah. So you've obviously come a long way. Yeah. I have. Um, you know, you learned. You learn so much when you're going through this. You really learn about yourself. You see the world very differently. You get a very different perspective. Your values shift. Um, and so um, that night I met you, I knew about a quarter of the women in the room because I started putting myself out there. Because I was going, if I'm going through this, and if I can actually just really help myself and I can start to really have this empathy and this, you know, compassion and really start helping other people, you know, I can actually learn what it means to, to be female and what female are going through. So I really put myself out there and started helping the trans community, uh, helping women to go through and start to 
really find their confidence and grow themselves. I've interviewed and, and helped to coach over 200 transgender men and women. Wow. Um, what, um, globally or just in Australia? Just in Australia. Wow. wow. Yeah, you know, just talked to a, a number of uh, those. I would say about half of those were actually interviews I did, you know, over Skype as well. So I did talk to a lot of people internationally. So I'm pretty well connected that way. But the one thing that I decided was I was not going to be known for being transgender. That was not going to be my life. That's a personal thing that I'm going through. And you've got a, an entire other part of you, which is that, you know, you have to have a career. You want to be doing something to be a contributing member of society. Right. And so um, I had actually taken and shoved my whole past career into a box and just put it away because I wasn't sure how I was going to be able to do that. Would people still have any respect for me as an executive coach? Would they still have any respect for me as a speaker, you know, or as a trainer or as an author? And, you know, so you, you, you go really down into the basement with your confidence and your courage and your beliefs about yourself. So when somebody would say to me, wow, you, you're, you're so courageous, so brave for going through what you're going through. I'm like, no, it really wasn't. It didn't feel like that. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Mm -hmm. But as you start to find yourself and start to go back up the stairs, you start to realize that, and that's when I had that epiphany, you have to take all of you with you. You can't transition your gender. You know, some of the things I still love, I still love. You know, you bring them back. You have to integrate. But the cool thing is, nobody ever said to you, you have to be everything you were and everything you are. Every single human being can pick and choose to integrate and keep what they want and move the rest away. So I am back on my way up. I've got a book coming out. Um, it's called Confidence, How We Lose It and Where to Find It Again, yeah. right? And, and it really talks to um, exactly what happened in my journey. But the cool thing is I don't talk about my journey at all. You wouldn't even know uh, in that book that I've gone through a gender transition because that's not important. Um, if, if I'm talking to you about a business, which we were talking that night, mm -hmm. I see in your eyes that there's this unhappiness, right? But when I'm sitting here talking to you today or talking to Brett, I see a very big difference in your eyes. You're happy, you're excited, right? You're great and glad to be alive. I saw how you interact with people as well, right? And you're, you're a big people person. When you feel most successful is when you are around people, when you actually get with your own thoughts. I see it so clearly, George. That's when you, you know, just kick your own ass. Yeah. But you are successful. Um, but what I've learned is this, when you are successful at being happy or being anything, other people who don't have that want a part of that and those are the energy suckers mm. yes yeah, so how to be careful so, of those speaking of energy suckers i mean he was he was why did you look at brett no <laughs> <laughs> because because he actually raised that with me today okay. i was expressing how i feel drained mm. dealing with um, a lot of people and you know my instinct is to withdraw that's my immediate inst yeah. instinct, but that goes against my nature. I I charge up when I'm amongst people, but the, the energy right people, yes, and the think, energy I suckers agree. are the ones that I that I can't uh, that I don't have a really good filter George, for. George has no boundaries around that stuff. Yes, yeah. whereas I I said I've learned over the years in mm -hmm. my career. Um, because I come from a music background, which meant attracting lots of energy Absolutely. suckers, and I had to learn co me mechanisms to to not go there. Yeah, um, and we were—that's what we were talking about yeah. before, you know. So, how do you deal with with that? Because I imagine you you're also in that boat. Um, oh, I like the boat analogies. I like the boat analogies. Yeah. Lots of them today. Um, I really don't have. I, I'll put it to you this way. When I'm on stage or if I'm, if I'm coaching or if I'm working in a business consulting, um, I'm extremely confident, right, because I'm in my element. Mm. But when you take and put me in a room like that night with tons of energy flying all over the place and tons of bullshit factor, mm. right, <laughs> um, I take a, a step back from it all and I will talk to people one-on-one -on -one or find somebody and go around and talk to them, which I did that night. I met 
a few incredible people that mm. night. And so that's how I learned to manage that type of business. And people that want to talk to me about being transgender when I'm out at a business function, I do not talk to because there's a time and a place. And, you know, um, I don't want somebody going, oh, are you? Because that's, you know, that's just yeah. inappropriate. So no, uh, completely, actually, it's not in context mm. with the, the, the yeah. environment. But, but what is it that, um, okay, let's assume that our, our listeners might be interested. What is it that you provide? Mm. I was going to just say that as well. Ah. How, do we get, how do they get in touch exactly. with you? How do they find your material apart from yeah. the TEDx? Well, oh, you know what, just as an aside, what I noticed most on that TEDx yeah. talk was how inspired the audience was by the end of it. Oh, it was it was quite mm. remarkable. Me. I it just brought me to tears mm. yeah, um, to get a standing ovation. You know, the last person these people have been sitting there all day, mm. and um, you know, to get a standing ovation at the end of that was was pretty amazing. I was especially after the story you told us at the start of this interview about what happened just before the yeah. TEDx. You know, it's, nobody um, recognized that. So I, when I, I only just made myself comfortable in that first couple of minutes. I took off my shoes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, How's that going the, for you, by the way? No, uh, that went really good. <laughs> no, I mean, are you used to wearing high heel shoes now? <laughs> oh, my God, I can run in them. Are you kidding oh, okay. me? <laughs> <laughs> okay. okay, fine. Absolutely. Oh, you get really good at that. We've got, we've got a sciatic problem, but apart <laughs> from that, it's starting to get a stooped up a back. But I, was, I was doing a leadership conference um, about a year back, and this woman at the very end says, I have a question that's not leadership related. She says, who taught you to walk in heels you know and uh, I, was, I was very fortunate that um, it was something I picked up you know and I had a, uh, a partner at the time she was great at walking in heels right. so she just because there is an art to me. it isn't there oh yeah there yeah. certainly is I mean yeah because you can either, you, know, you see some women walking down especially young women in heels and they just look like horses that can't run from <laughs> that's a nice description <laughs> that's interesting yeah, or they're walking on their ankles yeah. but you know if you watch some of the uh, the older movies the black and whites mm. and you watch those Lauren women Bacall, how they how walk, they walk. <gasps> oh yeah that, see you know that's why but I think they had they went to classes, didn't they? Elocution classes, oh, uh, not, deportment not classes. All, not all of them. I mean, a lot of that was just that's what they were taught was mm, how to gait, walk yeah, like that. Yeah, it's like I think we've lost that. That's that gait. It's the gait thing, I think. It's yeah, it's just you, a beautiful. Lauren McCall was one in particular. Oh, absolutely. She, she could walk like nobody. Yeah, else. we can talk about the old starlets oh, forever. Um, forever. How does everybody get in touch with you? Great question. Well, what, what, do you, no, what do you offer? Uh, what do you offer? <laughs> and how can they get in touch with you? Yeah. I, do, I do only do a couple of things um, anymore. And, and that is, one, I do speaking and I go into corporations yes. and I will talk with them um, on one of three things. They'll have me come in and talk about, you know, if they've got transgender uh, men and women in their organization and they want me to talk with them. Yes. And I'll do some coaching. Um, I spent a lot of time doing sales and marketing uh, transformations for people. Um, I spent a lot of time in the corporations where I'm actually coaching executives from, you know, a management position to a partner position or a C-level position because um, I did that for a number of years. So I spent a lot of time doing that. But um, for me, a client has to be absolutely ready to, to make a commitment um, and I learned that from going through my transition and watching other people who go into whatever transition in their life they're in. And so many people go into it and they get this objective for what they want to do, but they're only committed in the short term when they're excited for like the first few weeks after. It's almost like when you set a New Year's resolution, mm. right? Mm. But one little thing goes wrong and they're boo-hoo, cry-baby, yeah. onto another objective. Yeah. And so unless somebody's absolutely committed to actually going to uh, to achievement, I actually don't take them on as a client anymore. So, and well, I work straight you? by It's good that firm. you're in the, in the position where you can do that now. Yeah. Experience but, has given you that, um, the ability to say no. Yeah, because I'm really tough. Yeah. I'll tell you why. Yeah. I mean, who's going to tell me um, that they can't do something? Some, yeah, you know, course. I've put myself on the line and you yeah. learn patience and you learn temperance, you know, and you learn all these different things as you're going through a transition. 
Um, and so getting a person in line, their body and their mind mm. aligned, first of all, and then creating incredible energy for them and whatever they want to accomplish mm. and getting them to hold that charge. That's the difference between setting a goal and, you know, having a resolve that you're going to achieve things. And that's the difference in what I do with people. Right. Yeah. And pushing through that. That, Absolutely. That yeah. Sometimes not pushing through. I tell people instead of resilience, let's use brilliance. Right. Sometimes you have to take two steps back, reset, and then the barrier actually goes away. Yeah, right. yeah so um, I love, love, love doing that. To me, that's the most fun you can have with your clothes on. You know, it's helping, <laughs> yeah, helping people to grow well, that I, way. I, I, I can, uh, speaking for myself, um, you know, I th and having been in business for a long time, I think everyone needs a mentor. Mm -hmm. Everyone needs someone to give them a helping hand up. Yeah, absolutely. And to light the way because they've been down that path before. Absolutely. And they point out the potholes. And when you don't know, when you don't have that person and you don't know about mm -hmm. the potholes, it, you can become despondent. And you I, can. And I know that I've been there. I've yeah. been there and it's a lonely place. Yeah. Mm. And as I said before, your instinct is to either run away or just hide. Right. You know, and or we start to fight. Because, fight. Because what we think is we have to confront things. Correct. We think we, and this is what we think of as and confrontation. It's boom, 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 banging heads. Mm. But confrontation means solving something as far as you can solve it right now analyzing it and then you can actually confront further um, and that's a really important thing so I mean I've got a mentor still and I mean I only see him every now and then but when I see him I know you know that it's not going to be an easy conversation mm. because he'll say well what did you achieve have you actually gotten through the things you said you were going to do and when I know that I'm going to meet with him oh brother I can tell you yeah. my stuff is done and, in line and one thing's for certain that person's not an energy sucker oh Oh, I can tell you this is not an energy sucker. Right. He's amazing. Right. Yeah. So, Joanna. Yeah. How do they get in touch with you? Can you <laughs> I, I mean, ask a question Joanna, now? Joanna, I could, I could ask you a million questions and continue this this uh, this discussion. But okay. uh, I think for the sake of brevity, we we don't like to go over an hour. Are we over an hour? <laughs> well, it's not so no, no, not really. Not well, yet. We are. We're close. We're, we are. Okay. <laughs> we're close. We're, we're, it's really easy. My, my, um, just by email. So okay. if someone wanted to talk to me about transition or somebody wants to talk to me about coaching yep. or speaking, just email me at joe, J-O, at joanna, J-O-A-N-N-A, Ferrari, F-E-R-R-A-R-I, dot com. Perfect. And your Facebook page is Joanna Ferrari? I don't take people onto my Facebook page because no. that's where I get to play with my friends. Um, but Fair enough. I but do is there take people LinkedIn? on LinkedIn. Right. LinkedIn is okay. a great way to get a hold Perfect. of me. And that's where I do business. Joanna, it's been an absolute joy and a pleasure. Thank you so you much. I've enjoyed this. I'd have to second that, Joanna. I mean, really fantastic. Well, this and really floated my boat. Ah, I forgot. Oh, music. The song. The song. The song. Tell us about the song. <gasps> Don't you just love Nirvana? Yeah. Nirvana would be my second favorite group in the world, first yeah. one being Led Zeppelin. Right. But that was the first song that I ever heard uh, by Nirvana. And what I love about it is it's just opposites. He's just talking about we say one thing and then we want another. And that's the kind of situations we, you know, we put ourselves in. And nobody actually shows up as themselves. And so he says, come as you are, right? And that's it. And, on that, and that's how I live. And on that note, here's Thank the you very much. Thank you very much. Thank Joanne. you so much. It's been much. wonderful.
us about that story. So I'll tell you that, you know, sometimes we get, people will confront us yeah. um, about being transgender. And this guy comes up to me in a bar and he says, are you one of those tranny things? And I looked at him and I said, well, what do you mean by a tranny thing? And he says, you know, you like to put on dresses and have sex with men. I said, that's ridiculous. We take the dresses off. <laughs> right? Because I'm like, I'm not going to get into it. Every idiot that wants to step up and have a go at me. So I'm just really cheeky. And so I just use that. And the guy stared at me blankly and then just turned around and walked away. And, you know, the, the other people I was with were horrified to like, how did you do that? Talk about, talk about first the bubble. I know, right? <laughs> yeah.